Ladies and gentlemen, I've had a thought. I've had a thought. Is it weird that every piece of news that comes across now is either really not surprising or completely surprising? I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. In the most public, it's Chuck D. Bring the noise. FM Podcast Network. I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, I, was, I, was think, I was thinking, I was, I was thinking today, especially you know, just as I was before I was recording, and you know, just gathering the news up over the week, right? You know, doing my things, planning out, and the other, getting the agenda going. And I was just like, <laughs> every every just like piece of big news. Let's just say big news, by the way. Like it's not uh, it's small stuff. Like you know, I don't know, F- Fuji Film being the most popular um, camera brand at the moment, right? It you know that that's I don't know if you find that surprising or not. Who cares, right? But you know, just stuff like I'm the stuff I'm gonna be talking about. It's just gonna be like not surprising or completely surprising. And maybe I'm being a bit too generalizing about that. Maybe like once you get into the weeds of it, maybe there's actual, you know, genuine genuine, you know, things to talk about within within the headline, I guess. That's probably where that's probably what what I'm missing here. But I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. I just see a headline, I'm just like, Yep, that's them. Or yep, yeah, that's that person. <laughs> it's just yeah, of course, yeah, sure, of course they would, because, yeah, sure, why why would they do that, why wouldn't they do that, or why would they do that, you know what I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just easy, it just comes off as like, okay, all right, that's great, the, the continuing uh, descent into madness continues, uh, but anyway, apart from that, I uh, hope you all had a good week, um, solid week, solid week, got some work going on at the moment, um, got that on for the next couple of weeks, so that's going to be fun, I already started that, um, and, uh, yeah, man, just, um, just continue moving on, just continue moving on, I hit up, um, uh, the Union Chapel in, uh, Hackney, uh, yesterday, uh, for, to see Lady Blackbird at the start of her U- European tour, and, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not spun Lady Blackbird, you are missing out, you are certainly missing out, honestly, um, if you, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, in some ways, I feel kind of blessed to discover her at this point, where, um, you know, she she dropped her debut album last year after years of working on it. You know, you know, I assume this is a you know, um, I mean, she, I think she did a tour of the Netherlands a couple of months ago, so you know, not her first tour or anything. But yeah, you know, it's uh, it, the fact that she's just um, on the rise, right? I'm I'm just glad I saw her at this point. Um, now, if Lady Blackbird's listening, she's not, but if she was, um, just don't do it at church, <laughs> like acoustically really good really good in a church it made sense right acoustically it made sense but i forgot how much i hate sitting in pews i fucking hate sitting in pews it is so uncomfortable for me personally i don't know how people sit on that for hours and just to cool with it does does nobody else back up back her after after that after sitting there it's just oh, I, I despise it so much i hate sitting in pews I forgot how much I hate. I've been in a church in a minute. Actually, I've been in a church for two shows running right now. <laughs> right, as funny enough, for Robert Glasper and now for Lady Blackburn. But at least for for Robert Glasper, it was standing. Like, it was all standing. There were some, uh, you know, seats up up in the balcony. Um, but yeah, I just, I just forgot how much I hate sitting in pews. I really hate sitting in pews. Um, but acoustically, as a location, it was great. Um, but yeah, you know, I had a lot of gripes beforehand, right? Um, but once the show happened, once she once she came on there with that glorious white hair and an absolute superb, just um, I don't know how to describe it, but just kit, like <laughs> just outstanding kit. She looked majestic as shit, uh, majestic as fuck. And uh, yeah, man, she just she just outstanding voice, man, outstanding voice. Um, yeah, just uh, just 
<laughs> look past Adele, guys. Please, please, please look past Adele because there are so so many good vocalists out there. And Lady Blackbird is literally the first one I'd pick. Um, uh, you know, just if you if you ask me, like, who's the best vocalist right now? I'd be like Lady Blackbird. Uh, you know, Nao. Uh, Leanne Havis. Right. Just, just you know, just obviously. You know, their their vo- their vocals chops are different in some ways, right? They're not like belting out, they're not like, you know, doing the Jennifer Hudson thing. <laughs> but you know. Um well, Lady Blackbird does do that, but um, you know, Nao and Leanna Havis don't, but I do love their vocals, but you know, it's different. I don't I'm not a vocal guy. I don't I don't care, I just like a good voice and those are three good very good voices in my mind. In their diff- in their own way. Anyway, let's get into the show. Let's jump right in. Uh we have two tech, um a life at a film and T V and uh, for my next one, we begin. Email to his IG, Discord, Nick, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes. Go give these articles a read, give them a read for yourself, and help out the writers that make this show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop. Let's get into the show. In a week where Emmanuel Macron beats Marine Le Pen uh, again to gain a second term as president of France, uh, Twitter accepts Elon Musk's uh, $44 billion uh, bid to buy the social network outright. The world's oldest person, Kane Tanaka, dies in Japan aged 119. Fuck. That's a banging in right there. You see, this is, uh, when I think when I when I when this always you know, this this obviously always comes around now and again. Obviously, as you can imagine, there's people you know just someone has to take the record right, um, and someone has to lose the record right. Um, whenever I see, whenever I hear, you know, this particular just like you know easy news item to post, um, I just always think about mortality, and I'm just like, do I want to live to 119? You know what I mean? It's just like. Ugh. I don't know. Once you get to a certain point of like immobility, I guess that's kind of where I stand. Like, if I'm immobile, if I I can't move, um, if I can't, can't hear or can't you know see, watch you know things like I want to watch it and stuff like that. If I can't digest the things I want to digest, because obviously you know I kind of I have tastes that are very wide wide ranging. Like I listen to music, I watch a lot of things, right? I uh, I listen to podcasts, that's another listening, I take photos, that's sight, and, you know, I guess, and yeah, sight, a lot of sight, right, um, touch, you know I mean, fingers, like, um, you know, typing, I type a lot, I write a lot, da da da, you know I mean, if I got arthritis, then shit, it's gonna be, it's gonna be mad for me, right, stuff like that, um, if there are things, if there are things that will stop me from doing the things I love to do, then I'll probably just be like, there's gonna be a, some, there's gonna be like a boundary at some point where I'm just gonna be like, you know what, Top me off, like just, <laughs> just, just tell, end me, <laughs> just end me, honestly. Uh, but yeah, 119. I don't know, I don't know. Uh, DJ Tim T- Tim Westwood um, is accused of uh, sexual misconduct by multiple women, and um, it ain't looking good for him. <laughs> and this is the thing, right? This is one of those things where it's been known. It's been known. He's been doing this for. Oh, he's been in the game, the DJ game, for, like since. I mean, he's been there, he's been here since hip hop began, like especially on his hip hop tip. Like he's he's been there since the beginning. He did a documentary for the BBC back in the eighties about hip hop and had like London Posse and Rodney P and stuff like that all there in in the actual documentary. So he's been in hip hop circles. He's been here in UK hip hop circles since day one, pretty much. Um, and and uh, yeah, shout out to Kalechi Okafor who hoped to <coughs> who hosted a Twitter Spaces yesterday, um, and uh, it was just people come. It was just black women coming in um, and just telling their story. I was in there for ten minutes of a two-hour Spaces, and there was just so many people coming through. Just uh, as just like saying, you know, he touched me when I was fourteen, and that was twenty years ago. Stuff like that. I'm just like. <sighs> He is finished, and uh, literally came out today as I record the Capital Extra. Um, have uh, you know stopped his uh, stopped his DJ uh, show? So, yeah, he's fucked. He's he's fucked. Um, if not criminally, then he's definitely fucked culturally, um, which he should have been years ago. But anyway, uh, the Tory, and lastly, favorite favorite headline of the of the of the week: the Tories investigate a senior MP after claims he was caught watching porn in Parliament. I just love it. I, I just love it. Nothing, nothing to say about that. Just, yeah, just 
yeah, of course, of course, of course. Who watches porn in public? I just don't, I just don't get that. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, okay, I watch, you know, I pop my Instagram sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I follow a couple of IG honeys, you know what I mean? You know, a couple of IG honeys, right? You know, we just, you know, just, you know, just, you know, whatever, right? Just, you know, they come up on time and again, right? You know what I mean? Um, but I don't go on IG specifically to look at them, right? Um, that's just when I'm bored and I'm just like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's like, ah, fine, honey, like, boom, move on, move on my day, right? Straight up watching porn in public? Nah. Nah, 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 nah. What, what, what mindset do you need to be in there? Like, you ain't gonna jack off right there, so why are you watching it? <laughs> uh, you just trying to remember something? It's like, what, what was that video I watched the other day? You know what I mean? Like, what? what we, we, I don't get it. I don't get why the... Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, let's hop into this Elon Musk shit. So, obviously, uh, like I said, he bought Twitter for $44 billion um, when he could have, um, you know... Killed, help cure world hunger, or, you know, just any, anything else, but let's buy Twitter instead. Um, so, you know, see, there's been a lot of commentary. Um, I did have one uh, already locked in, but then I saw this one by uh, by my boy, uh, Anand uh, Giriharadas, and uh, this is via the New York Times op-ed uh, saying, uh, titled, Elon Musk is a problem masquerading as a solution. And uh, if you don't know uh, Anand, uh, he's uh, just an absolute G uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, elite, elite hair, um, and uh, writer of Winners Take All, uh, the elite charade of changing the world, and basically he's just uh, an enemy of plutocrat, a plutocrat, plutocracy that's it he's just an enemy of plutocracy and just constantly just shitting on you know rich people and you know saying like you know basically you know defund the billionaires and you know make sure there's no billionaires in the world that's kind of his mo and uh, he's very adept at it at it um i think he's writing another book uh as we speak um so yeah but you know people winners take all um it's a great book i listen to on i listen to it uh, via audiobook and uh yeah it was very enlightening but anyway, let's get into this one, because obviously he gets very, as you can imagine, um, from my description of him, uh, he, he gives a very, very solid opinion on all of this. <clears throat> it is a perfect marriage for an age of plutocracy. See, I'm ready, plutocracy. Um, Google plutocracy if you want it, because, you know, some people might not know what it means. Uh, Twitter, with its uh, serious problems, and Elon Musk, the embodiment of the those problems. What happens when the incarnation of a problem buys the right to decide what the problem is and how to fix it? Twitter has a disinformation problem, fake news about COVID vaccines, climate, and more running buck wild across the platform. Mr. Musk has shown himself to be a highly capable peddler of dubious claims, whether putting out misleading financial information or calling the British diver who helped rescue trapped schoolboys in Thailand a pedo guy. Or pedo guy, as Americans like to say. Uh, Twitter has a racism problem. Time and again, it has failed to consequentially answer the pleas of users of colour to address the bigotry and harassment that are endemic for them. Tesla, the car maker that Mr. Musk runs, has its own racism problem, with many workers complaining to the press and California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, suing the company over an allegedly pervasive problem of racialized degradation. There are so many links on this op-ed, by the way, so, you know definitely jump into some of those um i'm i'm literally just like yeah yeah it's de- definitely there's definitely more in this um if you want to if you want to just dive in a dive in a rabbit hole there's plenty of uh, material here uh, the agency recently described one of tessa's plants as a quote racially segregated workplace unquote rife with slurs as well as discrimination quote in job assignments discipline pay and promotion unquote Twitter has a bullying and harassment problem, and a subtler but related challenge of bringing out the worst, not the best in all of us. Mr. Musk is the incarnation of these problems too. Though you might think that having more than $250 billion, according to Forbes, and wanting to solve the problems of Earth and space would would fully occupy someone, he seems to have a compulsive need to belittle people, and burp out his least considered impulses and stoke bullying by his legions of admirers in a way that both both reflects and shapes how Twitter is. And so it's just perfect, absolutely fitting, that this guy, of all guys, could now own Twitter. If you've been paying attention now to how things work in our plutocratic society, this turn of events won't surprise you. The arsonists routinely cosplay as firefighters. Mark Zuckerberg of Meta, 
uh, we'll see previously Facebook, uh, was as responsible as any American for letting hate speech and dis- uh, disinformation run amok on his platforms in the run-up to the 2020 elections, only to donate with his wife, Priscilla Chan, $300 million uh, to help secure that election from the forces he had helped unleash. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Google have helped having helped shred local news gathering around the country uh, with its massive market power in online advertising uh, turned around and promised to donate 15 million dollars uh, to the support local news campaign at one point a member of the Sackler family whose uh, company Purdue Pharma manufactured and promote, promoted oxy, uh, oxycontin uh, and thus helped spread to help to spread the opioid epidemic, mused in leaked group chat messages I reviewed and published on my newsletter, The Inc., The Dot Inc., uh, about whether the company should, quote, commit to starting a foundation and pledge $1 billion over the next 10 years to play a leading role in addressing the epidemic, unquote. Mr. Musk's deal for Twitter starts to feel surreal when you contemplate what it means for the idea of free speech and the attendant cultural uh, debates about who can say what about whom. He stars himself as a libertarian defender of free speech, motivated to crack down on Twitter management that he believes moderates the discourse to the point of censorship and suppresses certain political speech. This self-portraiture ignores the extent to which Mr. Musk has a shaky commitment to his own notion of free speech, once cancelling the Tesla order of a man who dared to criticise the company on a blog and engaging in the troll-baiting that can be a powerful means of making journalists and other interrogators and critics fear the mob pylons that could result from writing critically about his interests. Mr. Musk operates from a flawed, if widespread, misapprehension Misapprehension, uh, m- yeah, misapprehension, yeah, okay, of the free speech issue facing the country. That was just a brain fart, by me, to be honest. Uh, in his vision, what we may, uh, with help from the philosopher Isaiah Berlin, uh, call negative freedom of speech. I've never heard of that before. Negative freedom of speech. Hmm, interesting. I, I might read on that there. Uh, the freedom of speech, freedom to speak without restraint by powerful authorities, is the only freedom of speech. And so, freeing Nazis to Nazi, misogynists to bully, and harass and dox and brigade women, even former President Donald Trump, to pr- uh, possibly get his Twitter account back. This cutting of restraints becomes the whole of the project. But there is also what we may call positive freedom of speech: affirmative steps to create conditions that allow all people to feel and be free to say what they think. Legally speaking, all American women or people of colour or both who were ever talked to over in a meeting or denied a book contract or not hired to give their opinion on television enjoy the protections of the First Amendment. The constitutional protection of free speech does not, on its own, engender a society in which the chance in which the chance uh, to be heard is truly abundant and free and equitably distributed. Quote, freedom for the wolves has often meant death to the sheep. Mr. Berlin once said, this is a point often lost on Americans. Government or large centralised authority is one threat to liberty, but not the only one. When it comes to speech, what has has often kept a great many people from speaking isn't censorship, but the lack of a platform. Social media, including Twitter, came along and promised to change that. But when it became a cesspit of hate and harassment for women and people of colour in particular, it began to offer a miserable bargain. You can be free to say what you wish, but your life can be made unrelentingly painful if you so dare. The quote-unquote censorship that Mr. Musk performatively deplores consists of efforts to rectify these very real problems of harassment and abuse. Uh, Twitter has taken modest but wildly inadequate steps to improve safety on the platform. It has acknowledged it has a problem. It has recognised positive freedom of speech, the creation of a safe and non-life-ruining environment for the airing of thoughts, and it is that Mr. Musk and his ilk seem to loathe. And it is this, sorry, that uh, it seems to loathe. Uh, This is why his deal to purchase Twitter is so dangerous. In recent years, there has been progress towards positive freedom of speech, real work to give everyone, truly everyone, more meaningful occasion to speak. Mr. Musk apparently wants to shut that down. Instead, in a moment of proto-fascism on the political right, uh, his priority seems to be un- to undam the flood of bile and bigotry and bullying and disinformation. The country really faces the very real prospect, starting at noon on January 20th, 2025, of a descent towards racist authoritarianism and protracted slide away from liberal democracy. If your idea of what the country needs in this moment is less clamping down on hate and lies and more rightist gone wild, phew... 
Whew, W-H-E-U, is it woo or who, woo well, I don't know, <laughs> say how you want to say it, uh, the plutocrats have already rigged the economy, that's just the first step, then you take some of the spoils and reinvest in buying, uh, reinvest it in buying even more political influence, so that political inequality can help keep economic inequality yawning, you buy up so- uh, media or social media platforms and thus can help rig the discourse in your favour, taking control of the tools used by regular people to fight back. You venture, as Mr. Musk did, to a TED conference and, without much pushback, brand yourself as a kind of public intellectual, a thought leader, a visionary, and thereby, in many people's minds, you became a sage, not a robber baron. Uh, it doesn't have to be this way. We can have nice things, but we're going to have to learn to see through the fraudulent stories that elevate figures like Mr. Musk into heroes. We're going to have to legislate real guardrails, perhaps like those uh, created by the European Digital European Union's Digital Services Act on social media platforms that are a bit too big to entrust democracy to. We're going to have to build non-profit alternatives to the platforms and see if they can become meaningful venues. Because a society that outscores, uh, outsources sorry, the tending of its social interactions to people who behave like sociopaths is a society asking not for freedom, but for tyranny. So that's the entirety of the article, uh, of the op-ed. And um, I think, the, I think the, the European Union side of it is actually very fascinating uh, wrinkle. I feel like they've actually done very well in just at least attempting to you know, um, slow down uh, all the, all of the, uh, I, I guess like tentacles that s- so, uh, several social media platforms have been doing. Um, obviously, Facebook being you know the main one um, on that front. And um, you know, I don't, I can't, I can't imagine uh, the US, you know, ever getting to that point of doing the same. I feel like um, you know, politically, Congress is um, just very uh, deep rooted in uh, lobbying, and uh, you know, it's always, there's always. There's always people to you know put the pressure on politicians, and they just can't do what they even what even what they want to do, however well intentioned, they just can't do it for whatever reason. Um, and uh, if they if they can they can say something, but you know they can't get you know fifty or whatever however many they need for a majority. I forget uh, to to do the same. Um, you know, just go look at mansion and cinema. You think they just did it because. I mean, I mean, obviously because they're demons in some ways, but you know, they 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 give us some pee behind the behind the back as well. So, um, you know, that's that's part of the reason. It's not the entirety of the reason, but it's definitely part of it. Um, so I I feel like in terms of changing the overall landscape on that front, it pertains to the US. It's probably impossible. Um, but you know, um, as as it getting to the meat of the meat of the meal, um, you know, I I I'm not off Twitter yet. I'll say yet, but, you know, like I've said this before, you know what I mean, um, Instagram is kind of the, the one I'm trying to get off, um, I've actually been, I've actually, <laughs> one of my fifth element account has actually been kicked out, um, I, sh- I probably should have said this on wax, but yeah, it has been kicked off, um, uh, because uh, it asks for my age, um, even though, you know, it's connected to my main account, and that, that has my age on there, so I don't know why they asked for it, and then I think because I haven't labelled it as a brand, um, I put five years old, right? Because the fifth element is five years old, and they cl- and they said, "Are you sure?" Um, and so I said, "Yeah, my brand is five years old, but I don't think I cast it as a brand." And because of that, they assumed I it was because I'm under the age of thirteen that we can't I can't be on Instagram. So they've locked off my account, and I've um, you know appealed several times uh, on the on the on the. Th- link they gave, you know what I mean, gave my ID and said, like, give my fucking account back, and, uh, they said I'm gonna give my account back, so I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen there, um, apparently I have 30 days, so, psh, shit, if I lose it, I lose it, is what it is, I don't really, I'm, I'm past caring at this point, like, um, it's not like Instagram's just, you know, the fucking best platform ever, it's honestly very shit, um, there's plenty of shit towards, there's plenty of things, as, as, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, Instagram is the shittest big platform, like, uh, like, in terms of just, efficiency of what it is like or every there's always something going wrong even if i'm on like dark mode it just like i go on something then it fucks off and it's like half light and i can't see text it's just garbage it's just a really shit app like ui wise it's really shit um and the experience is it sucks um or ux sorry user experience there you go um but yeah you know and obviously i use twitter you know i get well not majority of my news on twitter you know i mean i hit you know certain sources but um 
funny enough, I up a Google News. <laughs> um, and, you know, if respect to, you know, in some credit to Google News, um, they give, you know, they give me local news as well. Um, you know, they give me news from the Echo and stuff like that. So, you know, I can't hail it too much. Um, but, yeah, you know, I go via that to get my news. But, you know, Twitter's obviously great for the, you know, immediate immediate um, uh, reactions and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, other, st- other things as well. The banter, of course. Um, but, yeah... I don't know, man. Like, um, I feel anand on this front, and uh, you know, I, f- I feel the pessimism. Um, and uh, I, I think at this point, for me, I'm very, um, kind of numb to it. This, uh, this, to this news, right? I can see why you know people like Jamina Jamil like has to announce they're leaving Twitter. Just, just leave Twitter. You know, what I mean, just leave. If you don't, if you want to leave, leave. I'll probably leave at some point. I've already made an account on Mastodon, which is kind of like a alternative. Um, so yeah, if 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 the if the um, floodgates open, right, then yeah, I probably will hop off it. Um, but at this point, I'll, I'll reserve judgment. Speaking of social media, and speaking of Instagram, actually, um, there's an, there's a new app um, about. Um, I I, I'm, I saw this on Twitter a few. Funny enough, I saw this on Twitter a few days, uh, no, a, few, a few weeks ago, actually. Um, uh, actually, I think I saw it somewhere else. I think I think I th- I, I usually get these. Um, I can, I can, I get a couple of newsletters right emailed to me every day, um, and one of them talked about this, and uh, so I clicked on it and I read on it. Um, on a different article, um, an earlier article, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, it was just basically explaining what it was. And I was like, okay, um, I wouldn't be on that, but I guess so, sure, why not? It's an interesting niche, I guess. Um, <clears throat> it's supposed to be, you know, very anti-Instagram. It's kind of like the, yeah, the opposite of what Instagram uh, wants to be, I guess. Um, so this is via Dazed. Uh, it's written by uh, Serena Smith. It's called Be Real, The Saviour of Social Media or A Dystopian Nightmare. Um, so, yeah. Be real. Let's, uh, let's hop right in. I'm festering in bed on a Sunday morning. Light is streaming through... Uh, in Light is streaming in through my paper-thin blinds. I hate, I hate shit blinds. I hate shit blinds. Um, there are small crystals of sleep in the corners of my eyes. Um, is it called sleep? I feel like it's still called something else, but we just call it sleep, anyway. Um, and my teeth feel furry uh, because I couldn't be bothered to brush them when I got in last night. Then a notification pops up on my phone in full minute. It's time to take my B-reel. Uh, dutifully, I open the app and snap two pictures with my phone, uh, phone's front and rear camera. I look horrendous and my, uh, I look horrendous and my room is a mess. Uh, but I don't care. I only have a few close friends on the app anyway. I wait a few seconds to see their photos. Then they pop up. Lottie is in bed. Hannah is cooking with her boyfriend. Cool. Uh, the faint twinge of anticipation I felt while their posts were uploading dissipates into apathy. And I close the app. The premise behind Be Real is simple. The app sends out a notification at a random time during the day. Which gives users a two minute window to upload a Be Real. Essentially, two photos taken simultane- simultaneously, I don't know if it's simultaneously or simultaneously, I'll say simul, um, on your phone's front and rear camera. Be Real markets itself as the antithesis of Instagram, where curated, polished photos promote unrealistic lifestyles and taps into young people's growing pre- preference for raw, anti-aesthetic content, a la casual posting and photo dumps. I hate photo dumps. I, I, I despise photo dumps. Uh, I, I don't get it. I just really don't get it. Uh, it's just it's just random shit. I don't care. I really don't care if like the meme you saved. I save memes. I'm not showing you my memes. Like it doesn't it doesn't, like, it doesn't I don't care. I really don't care. I hate photo dumps to death. Anyway, anti uh, quote anti aesthetics are about pushing back against perfectionism, and that's another thing, right? You know, you, you ain't yeah uh, yeah. It's not it's not like photo dumps especially. I'm just like mm, yeah sure yeah that's really. That's really anti-aesthetic of you. It's like, okay, you know, I don't know. Uh, striving for something supposedly more raw, raw, real, and unfiltered, in alignment with a r- wider shift against the perceived artifice and inauthenticity um, of social media culture, uh, unquote, explains Olivia Yallop, author of Break the Internet in Pursuit of Influence. 
Mayan Soret, uh, the con- uh, content creator and co-founder of Tabloid Art History, as that she feels the app taps into our deep attachment to photographs as a way of capturing memories, as your previous B-roll uploads form a kind of visual diary. Quote, it feels increasingly difficult to make sense of time passing, which I think has he- been heightened by the pandemic, uh, she says. I don't think uh, I realise how much of the way we make sense uh, of time passing to others and to ourselves. This is th- is through photographs. Uh, so taking any reason to take a picture of your life and share it on social media is also a way to witness your own time unfolding and your life is and your life happening. Unquote. My friend Hannah, who told me to get the app in the first place, says she enjoys Be Real because of its unfiltered, spontaneous quality. She explains it helps uh, remind her that people aren't doing exciting things all the time. Quote, because there are definitely some people who think you are uh, th- who you think are always doing something, uh, doing really fun things. Uh, unquote. It's certainly true that the never-ending highlights reel of social media uh, can make people bristle with FOMO, and on the surface, B-Rule has the potential to offer an antidote to this. But in my experience, B-Rule has only intensified my own FOMO. If someone posts a photo of a train station, I'll convince myself that they're going somewhere glamorous while I'm lying on my sofa. If someone uploads a shot of a pint, I'll start to feel anxious that I'm not making the most of the nice weather. Sorette explains that in her view, the shift towards casualized content is still driven by, quote, a fantasy version of an offline life, unquote. That is how, uh, somehow more real and worthy, quote. Mainly, I feel that we want to commemorate all the smaller ways in which we live our lives, to make sense of time passing outside of big events or societal milestones like graduation and weddings and jobs, she says. Uh, but I also do think there is a small element of competition, a way to show our peers that we live better offline lives than them, that we have understood a way of being uh, they have not. And this is why our lives, no matter how pixelated or blurry or casual our photos uh, of it are, <laughs> are better lived than theirs, unquote. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll get to my point. I'll get to my... I'm, I'm agreeing with a lot of the negatives on this front, actually, not gonna lie. Uh, Be Real has identified a problem that by now is common knowledge. Social media can make you feel bad, but it doesn't pose a solution. Instead, it exacerbates the very problem it claims to be addressing by encouraging us to both surveil others' private moments and share more and more of our own lives. Quote, not to veer too much in the dystopian, but I do think that the growing presence of surveillance technology, the constant possibility of surveillance, has, has led us to being more performative in how we present ourselves and act in every aspect of our online and offline, uh, offline and online lives, Surrey says. We are more... <coughs> I don't know if it's Surrey or Surrey, by the way, so... Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we are more prepared for the possibility of surveillance at any moment and anticipate it in a lot of what uh, in a lot of what we do. Unquote. My friend Lottie agrees. Quote: I feel uh, I feel like it's a contradiction of itself a bit. She adds, like you're sharing snapshots of your real life, but you must respond within two minutes. Unquote. It's true. There have been multiple occasions where I've been too busy doing real life to spot the notification. And yet if you choose to upload a be real past your lot of time, the app shames you for being late as if being late is less real than posting on time. <laughs> oh, that's fucking hilarious. That's so funny. Why is he shaming you? You're late, you cunt. Oh, fucking hell. I don't care then. Delete the app. Fuck. Um, anyway, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't even have the app, and that's already I'm thinking. If you, if you're getting shot, if I'm getting shot on for being late, I'm like, all right, fuck you. Then I'm just not gonna have the app. Then fuck it, bin the app. As Yellow uh, says, quote, technology that claims to help you spend less time with technology is always a curious and awkward proposition. It doesn't make sense to all that, doesn't it? Let me read that again. Technology that claims to help you spend less time with technology is always a curious and awkward proposition. That's a that's a that's an oxymoron, right? <laughs> Stop using technology with technologies. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, unquote. Uh, and it's impossible to entirely ignore the fact that uh, apps are primarily a means of money making for Silicon Valley exists, uh, execs and purposefully and are purposely uh, designed to be addictive. Quote, Be Real's uh, premise feels inherently backwards looking uh, looking and quite sick 2016 yellow pads. For Hannah, this is part of the appeal. Another quote. It reminds me of what Snapchat used to be like when you just send your friends dumb things, she tells me. Excuse me. Uh, Hannah certainly isn't alone in enjoying the app. Daily uh, uh, downloads of the app have grown by 315% since January. Uh, but while the novelty of nostalgia may be exciting right now, will <gasps> excuse me, uh, will be real be able to sustain its growth? 
Yallop is doubtful, and points to Gen Z experiment with digital identity in much more exciting ways. Quote, they're creating immersive virtual worlds on Minecraft, customising in in-game skins and exploring virtual avatars and VTubing. For me, uh, VTubing, that just sounds... I don't know, that sounds weird. Uh, for me, uh, this kind of blended or enhanced reality is where... Um, Oh, nice, sorry. Uh, is where the real innovations in social media identity are taking place, she says. Though, be real, maybe a successful mechanic. It doesn't uh, feel sustainable long-term or in the line where digital culture is moving. Unquote. Um, e- even Hannah can see that she will probably get bored of this soon. <laughs> Great. Equally, uh, though, for now, it feels like it looks like be real is set to keep growing. Even I can't help but reach my phone uh, whenever reach for my phone whenever I see the daily notification pop up. How long until I can no longer be bothered? Only time will tell. And yeah, I, that just it, it sounds like a chore. Like it, ju- it just sounds like a chore. That's that's all I get from this. It sounds like a chore at some point. It's gonna sound like it's gonna just come across, and you're just gonna be like, "Fuck again!" Like has it been twenty four hours already? Fuck! Like you know, it's just, it's just you're just. Yeah. And also, what if it's like for people like me and I get the notification at 9am when I'm not awake at 9am? Like, so, well, what? I've, I've just missed it. You can shine me for being late. Like, I don't wake up at 9am. I rarely do. So, you know, what, what's, the, what's the tease on that? Is it, uh, is it, what's the time slot here? Is it for people that work, like from 9 to 5? Like, is it, that, is, you know, is it traditional? What if I'm up at 4am? Are you going to send me a notification then? Because I'll be awake. Most people won't. So, what's the deal? What's the deal on that? So, I don't know about that logic, but. Um, how that framing works, but, uh, yeah, man, it just sounds effort, and, you know, I'd do that any, I'd kind of do it anyway, in some ways, like, most of, the, if you go on my IG, actually, Charlie 22, um, and, uh, if you see a story, uh, my uh, IG story, six times out of ten, it is, uh, not even six times, 75% of the time, it is, uh, a picture of the sky, um, and it's a, and it's a song I'm listening to, it's a song I fuck with. That's literally it. I, that's all I do. I just post vibes. That's, that's literally, that's literally I, what I do most days. If the sun is out, if the sky's looking great, you know what I mean, if the weather's good, um, I might just um, you know take a quick pic, um, slap a song on, 15 second clip, and that's it. I just post vibes. That's all I do. I don't, I, I don't, I save the, I save my comments for Twitter on uh, comments on life and general shit for Twitter. I don't do anything else other than like you know that and post my and post WG. That's it. And you know when I when I went to see Lady Blackbird, I didn't have my camera on me, so you know I I took a few photos, um, I recorded a few videos, pop pop it on IG, and then ended up gassing Lady Blackbird for another two slides, and you know plugging my album list which she features in, you know that's it. That, that's like the that's, I I rarely have those days. I rarely do, and I don't care if people have more of those days than me. I really don't care. I rarely check most people like night. I, I check maybe like. One percent of everybody's stories. I check. A, I check like the first three or four that I see on my screen. Like when I when I when I initially hop on, I'm like, you know, I don't know, Lauren Vuller. Why not? Fuck it, Little Sims. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, you know, just <laughs> like you know, just a couple of people I like. I like. Uh, I like on Instagram. That's it. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't do it for many people. I don't. I used to do that. I used to be that person that like actually look to every IG story. I remember those days. I wasted so much time. Like I'd spend literally 30 minutes doing it. Like it's it's, it's oh gosh, I can't, I can't imagine doing that now. If you challenge me to 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 peep every IG story throughout the day, I'll be I'll be fucking on there for like 3 hours. Um so yeah, I kind of do the be real stuff anyway, just whenever I fucking feel like it, whenever I'm walking the dog. Um and yeah, you know, I just post vibes now and again. That's all I do. So I don't, I don't, I don't really care for pe- seeing people in their bed. I just don't care. I really don't care about people's lives that much. I don't care about p- people seeing my life that much. And that's kind of the crux of this, to be honest, for me. Like, while I get the idea here, I just don't care about people's lives that much. I really don't. Um, and I hope people don't care about my life that much. It really, honestly, it's just, it's just. If you post vibes, you post vibes. If you post meaningful shit, you post meaningful shit. Do what you want, man. But for me, most of the time I don't care. You know, I go on IG a few times a day. Um, you know, scroll through, scroll through it for probably maybe thirty minutes a day, maybe, right? Um, and that's it. Like, I just, you know, that's it. I don't really care. 
Um, so, you know, while, the, while this is considered like anti-Instagram or, you know, just the alternative, sure, but overall, I could not give two shits about this. So move on to film and TV, and uh, I had to audible here um, as I record. Um, I did have an article via uh, Financial Times, uh, but instead they just you know just just randomly decided to you know do that paywall shit on me, so I couldn't read it. Um, so instead I turned and found Quick Alternative. Um, it's kind of what I wanted to talk about anyway, just like the over, just like the macro um, of Netflix and uh, streaming, um, and this also adds on to CNN Plus, which obviously uh, uh, started like literally a month a month before, and then it just uh, and then just crashed the other day. Um, so this is called "What Lies Ahead for Streaming After Netflix and CNN's Bad Week." Um, question mark. Uh, this is by uh, Miss Alice Allison Herman. Uh, this is via the Ringer. So let's get into this one. I'm I'm completely fresh on this, so hopefully this, <laughs> hopefully this is uh, uh, what I want uh, from a, from a from this particular subject. Uh, in terms of output, streaming TV uh, seems to be doing better than ever. Rarely does a week go by uh, without some um, uh, bingeable uh, popcorn like the Ultimatum sweeping social media. And with spring uh, comes the onset of Emmy season, a condensed sprint to premiere high-profile shows, so that uh, so they're fresh in the Television Academy's mind when voters begin casting their ballots in June. This year, contenders include Russian Doll, Shining Girls, Undone, The Flight Attendant, The Offer, and Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, not uh, every show in contention is backed by a streamer. Subscribers can nonetheless choose a platform from a plethora of options that streaming platforms hope will justify the monthly cost. Zoom out, though. Hey, hey, hey you know the vibes. Zoom out always. That's the motto. Uh, zoom out, though. And April has been one of the rockiest months of, uh, of the streaming wars in recent memory. Until now, the story of Hollywood's pivot to digital have, has largely been one of growth. Growth in subscribers, growth in share prices, growth in the field of competitors. High-profile crashes like Quibi were the exception that proved the rule. Uh, streamer services services made series about hubristic tech companies that flew, flew too close to the sun. They certainly weren't the subjects. Yet observers have long predicted that the proliferation of services from premium hubs like Apple TV Plus to free and supported products like Tubi would eventually correct itself. That day isn't quite upon us, but it appears to be closer than ever. Within just a few days, one service announced plans to shutter mere weeks after its launch, uh, while long-established market leader reported an alarming contraction in its user base, sending its stock price into a tailspin. Meanwhile, the industry has con- uh, continued in its usual contortions, with some smaller developments overshadowed by more dramatic reversals. It's a lot to take in, so we'll tackle it one issue at a time. So this one's about Netflix. If you're quickly, if you're clicking on a story about streaming, you've probably already heard about news about Netflix. Uh, already heard the news about Netflix, I said about twice, or at least no, it isn't good. Least of all for its shareholders, many of whom are also its employees, uh, to recap in its uh, latest Corleone's report, the world's biggest streaming service announced it had lost subscribers for the first time in a decade and forecast losing millions more in a quarter to come. A slight dip of 200,000 or so users isn't the end of the world, especially in light of mitigating circumstances like suspending 700,000 active accounts in Russia as a response to the war with Ukraine. Yeah, I know, right? That's that's that should that should be more. Like, why shouldn't it? <laughs> that should be that should be all the subscribers. You're still paying for Netflix, and you're in Russia. Like, why? You're fucked. You're just paying. You're just giving them money for nothing, uh, as a response to war in Ukraine. Uh, but planning for a major exodus that's enough to sink uh, not just Netflix stock, which is down by more than forty percent as of, as of this writing, but also competitors like Disney and Warner Brothers, Discovery, um, one big brand by the way. Excuse me. Uh, who though uh, though though those declines uh, are nearly as dramatic. As for Netflix, it's lost billions in market value. Plunge that is to quote co-CEO Reed Hastings, a bitch. Interestingly, Wall Street panicked in spite of some more reassuring data points. Netflix revenue actually increased thanks to a recent price hike. Its churn rate, which represents the proportion of users who cancelled the service, remains lower than its competitors. And the company continues to produce massive hits like Bridgerton, whose second season just set a platform record for viewing hours on an English-language TV series. 
But the streaming boom has partly been predic- uh, predicated sorry, on an ex- expectation of continued expansion and indications that the streaming, uh, streaming native content uh, distributor may be close to its ceiling, especially in mature markets like the United States, are enough to make investors look askance. Is that a word? Askance? At the uh, uh, assumption that subscription-funded streaming is the future of entertainment. Uh, Netflix has put forward a few strategies for staunching uh, the flow, <coughs> staunching, uh, including the crackdown on password sharing and the potential rollout of a cheaper ad supported option. Uh, but that's not the same thing as a serious look inward uh, to, at what's gone wrong. Uh, for that, we can look to writers like Vulture's Joe Adalian, uh, whose buffering newsletter floats a host of theories that include increased competition and a stubborn commitment to potentially outdated methods like near exclusive preference for the binge style release. It's hard to pin this particular vibe shift down to any single cause, though they add up uh, to a potentially dramatic realignment. Hastings' proposal for an ad-supported Netflix tier uh, signals an openness to abandoning one of the company's foundational principles, a primarily uh, pr- a primary differentiator from its old-fashioned ancestors in linear broadcasting. For one thing, episodes of scripted Netflix series are typically written without formal act breaks uh, into lead com- into com- lead to lead into commercials. It's hard to picture an episode of Ozark abruptly cutting uh, uh, to a promotion for this year's Toyotathon. Well, you know what? YouTube fucking did it. I remember the days where YouTube had no ads. I, I was literally there. Well, not even that. Not no ads, but you can, uh, but ads that you can just skip immediately. Like, you, you just skip it. You just skip it. Doesn't matter. That, not the five seconds, then skip. You can skip it. Um, I remember those days. I remember those days specifically. Um, and now it's literally two ads. Don't give a fuck. You're not skipping them. Fuck you. You're watching these ads. And I'm just like, okay, go fuck yourself. Not getting premium, boys. Not getting premium. <laughs> um, YouTube bars. Um, a Netflix with ads is nonetheless in tune with recent trends. Last year, HBO Max launched a $10 monthly plan, a third cheaper than the regular price, uh, which is around 15 uh, That includes ads. Outgoing Warner Media chief Jason Keelar, uh, Kylar, I don't know, K I L A R, I don't know, um, has been talking the option up. Uh, in exit interviews telling Bloomberg that close to 50% of new subscribers are choosing a less expensive tier. For Hulu, which is long often an ad option, a substantial majority of subscribers allow advertisers to subsidise their viewing experience. But subscription-based services opting for advertising is only part of the story. Free ad-supported TV abbreviated FAST. Free ad-supported TV. Okay, that's good. Um... Oh, God, my eyes. Uh, is one of the great unsung battles of streaming wars. Services like Tubi, owned by Fox, and Pluto TV, owned by Paramount Global, bring in enormous revenue and much less, uh, at a much less uh, substantial cost than Netflix's multi-billion dollar budget for original programming. Earlier this month, Amazon am- announced it would rename its fast offering to uh, uh, fast offering IMDb TV, rechristening it as Amazon Freevee. Okay. The new moniker is admittedly silly, uh, but it's also much more straightforward than the previous one. The service is free to watch. It's owned by Amazon. Two facts were previously easy to miss. I didn't know Amazon owned IMDb TV. Uh, the jokes write themselves. The great streaming revolution has innovated itself back into the business model that supported broadcast TV for decades. Netflix is still a long way off from turning into 1990 NBC. Still, subscriptions are no longer the sole currency of streaming, nor have they been for a while. It's time to update our assumptions accordingly. And now to CNN. Now the ink is drawn the merger between Warner Media and Discovery into the entity unknown, an entity known quite creatively as uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Change uh, as Warner Brothers just, uh, Discovery changes are afoot. That's the only way to make sense of what uh, is at first glance a pretty baffling about face. Shuttering the service, uh, the service CNN Plus at the end of April, just a month after its launch. However dismal the early ratings, the CNN Plus team wasn't given much of a chance to correct them, instead becoming the Stream Wars' first major casualty since Quibi. Uh, Viewed through the lens of the corporate baton baton passing, uh, the decision is a little less shocking, if still extreme. CNN Plus was initially overseen by head executive Keeler and network executive uh, network leader Jeff Zucker, um, who are no longer in charge. Keeler was pushed out by a spin-off deal forged behind his back, and Zucker was forced to resign after failing to disclose a re- romantic relationship with another CNN executive. Discovery's David Zaslav Zaz- Zaz- uh, now leads the newly combined conglomerate, 
and Zucker's replacement, Chris Licht, uh, most recently executive producer of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, starts next month. Well, that's an upgrade, isn't it? Not a nice little promotion for him. Uh, it checks out that Zaslav uh, doesn't want to burden his new hire with a dead-on-arrival project, neither, uh, neither have much stake in. The demise of CNN Plus plays into some of Z- Zaslav's rhetoric about being careful and judicious. <laughs> Read, not Netflix. Uh, when it comes to spending on streaming. It also forecasts a future in which companies may consolidate their streaming options into a single hub to better maximise its value to subscribers. HBO Max and Discovery Plus are already combining into a single super service. Why would Warner Bros. Uh, Discovery want... I'm just going to call it Warner Discovery, by the way, just for, just for now, because I'm, I'm tripping up on Warner Bros. Discovery. It's, it's, it's just... Oh, it's mean, it's meany mouthed. Uh, Warner Discovery or or, or Warner or Warnovery. Warner, no, I'm fucking about. I want a small service hanging around as an independent shingle. Uh, doesn't CNN uh, make more uh, sense as another sub brand on the HBO Max menu like Cartoon Network or TCM? Uh, we've yet to get word on the fate of CNN original programming like Chef Alison Roman's yet to air cooking show. It nonetheless seems likely at least some of it will end up on Max. Customers weren't willing to shell out for even more non-stop news, but, they'll, uh, but maybe they'll go for it as a side dish to other forms of entertainment. Let's close out with more light-hearted, uh, though still meaningful, shift. Sports, and especially live sports, have long uh, been streaming Finals Frontier. With each passing day, that frontier gets increasingly settled. Uh, Peacock partially hosted its second Olympics. Apple recently signed on the first 12 weeks of Friday Night Baseball. Uh, Tim Cook's kingdom is, ready, is, is also reportedly in contention for the NFL Sunday ticket. Held up against these blockbuster deals, Disney's decision to internally shuffle Dance with the Stars from ABC to Disney Plus barely registered as news. Frankly, Dance with the Stars barely registers with, to most people as sports, uh, but it's a live competition of athleticism and grace. What else do you call it? I've never actually thought of that. Uh, still, the move is a telling indication of how Disney uh, plans to diversify its wholly owned international streaming service. Uh, brackets, Hulu's technically still split with Comcast for another few years and still only available in the US. Um, Disney is no stranger to the intersection of streaming and sports, or the importance uh, the latter can have to a fledgling product. It's the edition Disney Plus Hotstar uh, features cricket from the Indian Premier League. Uh, which helped it gain a foothold on the subcontinent. Dancing with the Stars is more targeted and speaks to how its parent company wants to expand the reach of Disney Plus beyond families and franchise fandoms who make up its core constituencies. If you're turning, if you're tuning in for Marvel or Star Wars or Pixar, chances are you've already signed up for Disney Plus. But Dancing with the Stars caters to an older audience whose Disney hopes it can launch the streaming and help round out Disney Plus's demographics. Like the internal consolidation within Warner Discovery, uh, the decision go. go- goes to show just how much entertainment companies are coming to value for Quadrant Appeal. Uh, that's o- There's only so far you can get when engaging with only young viewers. Much like Peter Jackson's Get Back, Dance with the Stars signals uh, how serious Disney Plus is about proving this isn't just for kids. Let the games begin, or rather, continue. Okay, so that was solid. I would appreciate more um, overall zooming out um, as it pertains to the landscape, but um, it's kind of just a nice uh, primer, I guess, on uh, on what on what you're ge- on what we're what we're getting here um, and what's been happening, so to speak, um, which is fine, I guess, and uh, you know sets it up quite nicely. Um, I don't have much time, I guess, to talk about because I want to get to the last topic, uh, last segment, but. I do find the I I just don't really if you if you if you're gonna do ads like Channel Four do this Channel Four have been doing this I think they were like the first one to do this in UK anyway with all four um, they had ads right and they were always you know five minutes so basically as long as TV ads um, in the UK anyway um, so regardless if you're watching TV or all four you're getting ads right and you ain't escaping those ads um, so you know and that kind of just put me off all four because I I, th- I think uh, more is as um, more, uh, if if my memory is is correct, I did watch it without any ads. So uh, back in the day, uh, when Inishi came out, so you know, once it got to ads, it was a couple of minutes, and then it was like three minutes, and now it's like a full five minutes. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna not go ahead and watch this because I can't be asked. You know what I mean? Just for a half an hour show, you know what I mean? I just, I just can't be asked. It's like I might as well just watch it on TV if I'm gonna do that. Um, so I'm not into ad supported. TV, um, if I it, like if for something like HBO Max where you have ads and it's ten dollars, I don't get that logic. That's literally cable in in America. That's how why they call it. Um, <coughs> what's the point? What's literally the point? Um, so yeah, I I just 
I, I mean, I'm kind of, I've, I'm kind of over streaming in general. Um, I, I barely, you, I barely, I mean, I barely watch anything these days. If I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, but when I do, it's usually just recorded via my, uh, my Skybox, and I just watch off that. Um, so I can skip the ads, and you know, I get, I get the best of both worlds in that, in that case. You know what I mean? So if I can't get on my Skybox, I probably won't watch it. Um, and, uh, you know, I do have Netflix, uh, my sister has it, um, so I don't know what they're going to do about me not having an account, if they crack down on that front, um, of family members having it, then shit, guess I don't have Netflix anymore, you know what I mean, I just, I, I, I really don't care, I'm not giving money to these people for that, um, if I, if I'm not going to be on it, um, regularly, every night, guaranteed, I just don't, I don't see the hype. This is coming from a kid who's basically born into a Skybox. Um, I don't remember a time in my life where I haven't had Sky, apart from, you know, university and being away from home. Um, so, and and even with that, I'm fine with not having Sky. You know I mean? I'll find a way to get my content, um, uh, get what I want to watch, but I, I just don't, I just don't, I've never, I've never been that person of, you know, just um, every night coming home and uh you know popping on netflix or popping on amazon prime video i just i've no, i've never been that person i never will be that person um and yeah i just i've just been really privileged to have sky plus most of my life and uh, the ability to skip ads is just too yeah and or having no ads is just too i'm too comfortable with that um so if you if, if i hear the if i sniff ads i'm most likely gonna hop off it So finished on life and uh, damn where's the where's the episode gone oh, oh time flies you know fun um so this is all about uh miss uh, margot jefferson who is a, a writer and academic and she is dropping a memoir soon um i think the details are at the bottom uh constructing a nervous system um so that's uh that's just dropping that's dropping soon um so yeah um is it, it guardian did an interview uh, this is via um david uh, Shari Atam at Shari Atamari, Shari at Madari. There we go. Shari Atamari. There we go. Got it right. There we go. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. We get there. We get there in the end. Um, this is called Margaret Jefferson on Will Smith, TikTok, and identity. I don't. I don't like the sense that we are so fragile. And uh, yeah, it's just really fascinating. She's just a really fascinating person. I've never heard of her before until now. Um, it was interesting to read when I read it, and I looked into her a bit, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so she's done a couple of books. She did a book on Michael Jackson of, like a decade or so ago, and that was very big apparently. Um, so and she's constantly been, you know, asked on Michael Jackson's legacy and stuff like that. So uh, you know, she's she's pretty into like you know popular culture, I guess. And uh, it's, it's it's she's an interesting person. So I thought this would be an interesting read for finish. Uh, let's get into it. When Will Smith sat Chris Rock at the Academy Awards ceremony last month, Margot Jefferson had stepped away from her TV for a moment. Like millions of us, she watched it on re- uh, replay, absorbing the sheer novelty of a norm- of normally stage-managed uh, spectacle collapsing into chaos. As it happened, the incident crystallised several Jeffersonian themes, televised glamour, black entertainers, and the question of how to behave in public. In her 2016 memoir, memoir Negroland, about the lifestyles and mores of the... <clears throat> of the black elite in mid-century America, Jefferson recalls her parents dissecting the TV performances of Sammy Davis Jr., Dorothy Danridge, and Lena Horne, and describes the oppressive nature, uh, oppressive power of the dictum, uh, quote, uh, everything we must do, uh, we do, must reflect well on the race, unquote. But times have moved on, she believes. Both Rock's routine, in which he, he joked about Smith's wife Jada, and Smith's response struck, uh, struck her as immature more than anything else. They're too old, she sighs. Um, they are definitely too old, and they should be too astute uh, for these shenanigans, unquote. Speaking to me from her apartment in New York West Village, uh, in which the only physical objects appear to be books, she says, quote, That kind of old respectability question did not really enter into it for me. Why not? black culture and our range of behavioral uh, possibilities and choices have expanded has expanded unquote judged as a performance however the critic is uh, the critic in her is rarely stilled for long it was simply cheap juvenile staged hood theatrics i wish it had been handled by jada herself unquote black women's self de- black women's self-determination including her own 
features heavily in Jefferson's latest book, Constructing a Nervous System, which combines frank personal reflections with analyses of cultural icons including Ella Fitzgerald, Nina Simone and Josephine Baker. It is more formally experimental than Negroland, already a fairly experimental blend of memoir, social history and criticism. Jefferson frequently shows her working, breaking down a right, uh, writerly equivalent of the fourth wall with interjections such as, quote, I've reached an emotional stalemate here. I want to dilute, possibly delete this, dot, dot, dot. I feel a little ashamed. Or, as I write this, I worry that I'm about to hurl raw intimacies at new uncommitted readers. If I delay, though, I'm coddling myself, unquote. Her easy gen... Uh, Geniality? Is that what I Geniality? As we talk feels uh, very different to the exacting, rather ruthless tone she takes her, uh, with herself in print. Uh, what the two books shares conviction that art is not over there on the stage or gallery wall. But in our minds and our personal lives, I agree with that highly, that's actually a bar, shaping us intimately. Connecting with artists allows you to, quote, move past your own little conventional self, uh, giving you other physical and emotional possibilities, she tells me. And that's, that's, honestly, I was really, I felt really crap going to, like, uh, Lady Blackbird. I really felt crap. Um, I felt crap before, but you know, minutes before she was, before, minutes before she came on, I was just like, I was like the only person there on his ones, uh, on their ones, which I'm fine with, right? I've, I've, I've done that before and I'm happy to do it again. Um, but, you know, everyone was talking around me. I felt like I was, I don't know, I just felt a bit claustrophobic at some point. I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to get out. I, just, I, I, I need this music to start so they can all shut the fuck up. Um, there's just so many people talking, it's like, eh, 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 just nattering, I mean, it's just, it just, I don't know, it's getting into my brain, um, it's starting, it just felt loud, um, but you know, as soon as she started, as soon as she started, just all washed away, just all washed away, it all went, um, so I agree with, I agree with this wholly, anyway, continuing on, uh, Fitzgerald in particular forced her to, quote, question my own little protective devices, uh, and, uh, snobberies about what a pretty woman should be, what a glamorous woman should be, how useful and helpful feminine desira- uh, desirability was, unquote. With Nina Simone, the residences are darker. Jefferson talks about her temperamental kinship with the singer, who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder late in her career. Is Jefferson bipolar too? Quote, it was a diagnosis I've received, also a diagnosis I've received. She tells me matter-of-factly, adding that she found uh, around a decade ago. Although she has been in therapy for much longer than that, she is 74. Uh, quote, not nearly as damaging, fortunately, to me, uh, but that's probably because they have medications and there's quite ra- a range to bipolar. She points out that we were always calling Simone a strong, beautifully angry black woman, but she was suffering too. And she was also angry that she was suffering and couldn't assage it. I think that's how you say assage it. It looks like assuage or assorge. I think it's assage it. Assuage it. Uh, unquote. These kinds of personal insights are harder to bring into the formal criticism Jefferson practiced at the New York Times, where she reviewed books and plays, winning a Pulitzer Prize in 1995. Is uh, what she's is is what she's doing now a bit of a reaction to those years of journalistic stricture? Quote: Yeah, it does feel freer, more interesting. As a writer, it allows me to try uh, for more discoveries in f- uh, terms of tone, technique, or emotional temperature. Unquote. Uh, though reading the book feels like hitching a ride on Jefferson's own train of thought, uh, the sense of structural looseness is uh, depict, uh, deceptive. Quote, it was very, very intensely uh, and sometimes frantically and frenetically planned. I kept switching things around. The transitions were the devil. Uh, <laughs> were the, yeah, were the devil. And I can still critique some of them. But I knew it had to be carefully planned or it could be chaotic in a way I could follow but a reader couldn't. Unquote. Uh, what images, sound, and people are attracting her magpie mind right now? We talk about William and Kate in Jamaica. Quote, oh God. The hands being shaken through the fence. She cringes, referring to the photograph of the princess greeting Jamaicans through a barrier in Trenchtown. Uh, they're clueless in their way, dot, dot, dot. Not in intention, but clueless. Uh, she mentions the new season of Donald Glover's Atlanta. And vocalist, she lives for vocalists. Cecile McLaurin. Uh, uh, Salvant uh, would not surprise people because I've written about her but Megan Thee Stallion I'd like to watch what she's up to I'm interested in that utterly shameless what used to be called vulgar bravado and sense of play you know she fulfills some of your expectations and desires and she thwarts others I'm always interested in performers who do that what else 
TikToks. <laughs> oh god. I have a friend who's just very smart and funny who's also always sending me TikToks. They're almost like a really clever cartoonist. You know, daily strips, unquote. That's just a way of seeing it. I can't get past, you know, just the the background the background of TikTok and what it is, but that's an interesting way of describing it. That's a very nice way of describing it. I, I like that. But it's also TikTok. Uh, TikTok, of course, is also a venue for projecting the self, for broadcasting the various identities we might be able to lay claim to, complete with hashtags and occasionally an enhanced sense of righteousness. What does she make of the current enthusiasm for self-labeling? Quote, It simplifies. It can become a source of defensiveness, defensiveness and pride that you're not in control of, in that way, it can thwart a certain... Uh, the word thwart fucks me up in terms of how I'm reading it. It's like a thwart and then have to, you know, I have to stop afterwards. Thwart a certain purpose, a certain flexibility. <coughs> there you go, uh, unquote. Uh, but she adds, quote, I see its purposes, unquote. Uh, and warns the phrase identity politics is uh, one uh, that has become like a truncheon. Uh, another quote, it was always delivered even on the page with a sneer, as if it was all about intellectual simple-mindedness. Why so? Because efforts to break the, down the old rules of race, class, gender and sexuality have in fact been quite successful. Things have opened up, been redefined, and quote, if you're fighting off those kinds of political and social and uh, emotional changes, then you have to demean and belittle and simplify your opponent and come up with a phrase that will signal to other people that it's dangerous. She sees the term cancel culture as similarly compromised. You can critique a lot of particular choices without using that phrase, she says. And critique them she does. For instance, quote, In the canon, I'm not so concerned with an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, yanking out books I don't love, I don't like bullying, and I don't like the sense that we are so fragile. We've been treated so badly, that we're, we've been so oppressed that we cannot stomach any of this, uh, that, it can, that it can't be anywhere around me. I don't like that, unquote. What's next? Jefferson has just been named as a recipient of the Wyndham Campbell Prize, which comes with a $165, £125 uh, check. Nice. Must be nice. Um, but she hasn't even herself much time to kick back and stream episodes of Atlanta. She's already planning a dual memoir with a white <coughs> with a white American friend of her own generation, a seasoned writer whose name she's keeping under wraps but says will be familiar. The plan is to chart decades of history from two distinct intertwined perspectives. Uh, just a shout, name it two Americas. That will work. That will just hit so nicely. Anyway, uh, quote, we've gone through separately and as close friends, so much wild and vehement social, emotional and racial change that we thought, okay, let's see. It will be about friendship too from people for whom uh, friendship has become as important as marriage, uh, unquote. And in the meantime, essays, interviews, appearances, Jefferson clearly takes her grandmother, uh, grandmother's exhortation uh, that the last line, also the last line of constructive nervous system to heart, quote, you haven't heard, <laughs> you haven't earned your right to be tired yet, have you? Unquote. Um, so yeah, fascinating, fascinating woman on the face, you know what I mean? Especially in terms of reading this and, uh, and you know, and I guess uh, having that um, wide... Uh, career arc of you know being the critic at the New York Times and having fourth wall breaking uh, 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 memoirs and stuff like that. It's 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 very. I like the I like the um, uh, the 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 wide ranging nature of it. I I appreciate that. And the, yeah, there were plenty of things I agree with on on there in terms of um uh uh, uh 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 well will smith in general i feel like that's a that was an interesting that was an interesting uh comment I, I do think it was kind of beneath everyone i did say i did say that nobody nobody won in that um and i, I agree with margot and how she said that uh, how she portrayed that um but yeah man and also the art and also the artistry side of things um i i, I highly agree with that so um but yeah ladies and gentlemen i'll leave it there for the fifth podcast network i'm a child saying it's been what's good Intro music has been too much by vanilla. You can find here the link for full show notes. Uh, thanks to Chill Breakers for videos track. You can also find there link to full show notes and shout to Nappy High again. New EP Green just dropped last week. Go spin that. Um, here's the link in the full show notes. You can also find that there. Um, and with that said, I hope you all have a good week. I shall always, always, always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.